Turn your Bible, if you will. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I just want to make a declaration. Just so you guys know, someone gave me a gift last week. And it was this thick, and it was full of puns and jokes. So you all are in for it. I'm just saying. Just saying. So Matthew chapter 2, as you're turning there, what sits at the bottom of the sea and rocks back and forth? A nervous wreck. I don't know if you've seen it on on Amazon, but I wrote a, a great book recently on how to fall down the stairs. It's a step-by-step guide, just so you know. Got a whole book of them. Amen. This morning, we're going to start reading right in Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? Who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Wise men from the east. Now, there's a lot that we don't know about these wise men. We don't actually know how many there really were. You know, we we most often see three, but the Bible never ever gives us a number of how many wise men there were. The number three most likely comes from how many gifts that they gave Christ. Three, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We also don't know any of their names. Uh, Throughout recent history, uh, Balthazar, Caspar, and Melchior have been attached, but these names are never listed in the Bible. In fact, these names actually came from a a 7th century Christmas opera. 
much later um, than, than the Bible historically. We also don't know exactly where they came from. The Bible tells us that they came simply from the east. Now, many Bible scholars believe that most likely they came from Babylon. And again, you know, there's, there's many, many things that we don't know about these men. But we do know this. The Bible says that they were indeed wise. The Bible makes that very clear. They're also often referred to as magi. Magi were experts in the study of stars. So this leads us to another thing that we're not completely certain about, and that is that star that they followed. What exactly was this messianic star? We do know it moved, as the Bible tells us, and the Magi said it, it led them to Jerusalem and ultimately to the Christ child a little bit later. Now, the word translated as star here uh, in, the, uh, in the Greek literally means brilliant light. Brilliant light. And I believe that this brilliant light could be that same light that we read about in the Old Testament referred to as the Shekinah glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God. It was the light from the Shekinah glory cloud that led the Israelites through the desert. When it moved across the sky, they followed. And when it stopped, they stopped, and they knew it was time to set up camp. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the Bible tells us that the Shekinah glory of God did what? It filled the holy of holies. Amen? Right before the Babylonians captured Jerusalem, we read in the book of Ezekiel, it tells us that the Shekinah glory of God, uh, that light, it actually left the temple. The book of Ezekiel describes how it went out the eastern gate. It went up the Mount of Olives, and then it ascended directly back into heaven. We're very familiar, especially this time of year, about the Christmas account in the Gospel of Luke. What does the Bible tell us there? It tells us that the glory of the Lord shone all around those shepherds in the fields. As that angel declared the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, in a manger in Bethlehem. The glory of the Lord shone round about him. A great, brilliant light. Amen? Now again, there are many, many things that we don't know about the Magi. But we are assured that they were wise. Why do I bring this up twice? Well, we can be sure that they were wise because of why they came. Why did they come seeking Christ? Simply to worship Him. Amen? To worship Him. And this is the wisest thing that any of us could ever, ever do. So many today, they seek the joy of Christmas without the worship of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, that's an absolute impossibility. Amen? 
You cannot experience the true joy of Christmas apart from the worship of Jesus Christ. Now, absolutely, we, we can experience temporary happiness around Christmas time, but never true joy apart from the worship of Christ. Christmas joy, I mean, just think about this logically. Christmas joy can only come from the very source of Christmas itself. And who is that? It's Christ. Amen? Christ himself, that is the whole reason we have Christmas. And you cannot have Christmas joy apart from Jesus Christ. Now, I want to consider a few things about the Magi here. The first thing I want us to consider is why they sought Christ. Right in verse 2, it says, they, they came and they said, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Amen. They came to worship Jesus Christ, the king of kings. And we need to take into consideration and understand just how difficult this task was for them. First and foremost, let us realize that they came despite the difficulties of distance. Amen? They traveled, the Bible says, all the way from the far east. And if indeed they did come from Babylon, that would be about 300 miles. Now, in our minds today, that that doesn't seem very far in today's standards. But we have to consider how they had to travel back then. They really had two options. It was by foot or by camel across the desert. Amen? By foot or by camel, and that was it. They also came despite the difficulties, not just of distance, but also of discomfort. It's hard enough traveling by foot. It's hard enough traveling by camel, but they also had to do it through very hot, rugged desert terrain. Amen? They didn't have the luxury of, you know, a, a soft mattress in the, in the protection of a nice hotel room each night. They had to pitch a tent and sleep on the ground. A sacrifice that they were more than willing to make for one purpose, to come and worship Christ. I want you to think about that for a second. How many today, with all the luxuries that we have, the pews that you're sitting on are nice and soft and padded, aren't they? Amen. Our church, heated in the winter, air conditioning in the summer. Raining outside, but we are completely dry in here, aren't we? Amen. Yet how many will stay home from church at the simplest excuse? Because it's raining, it's too hot, or, or it's too cold. A pastor and his wife, they were getting ready for church one morning when, they, when a loud clap of thunder rattled across the sky. The wife yelled, honey, did you hear that? He said, yep, I sure did. I heard about 20,000 Christians rolling over and going back to sleep. <laughs> Amen, that's kind of how it is. It's amazing how such little things will keep people from going to church. Today's Sunday. 
This time of year, what do we associate Sundays with in the world? Football season, right? I want you to think about that for a second. Those football stadiums, those sports stadiums are full of fans in any type of weather. You know, we see games that are played up in Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills play games with just, you know, snowstorms, and the, 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 the stands will be packed in a blizzard. Yet the fans of Jesus Christ will stay away with the smallest of excuses. These magi came despite the difficulties of discomfort, the difficulties of distance, and they also came despite the grave danger. The Bible tells us that Herod was king over Israel at this time. Now, we need to understand who Herod is and what type of person he was. Herod had just ordered the execution of hundreds of innocent babies out of fear and out of jealousy of losing his throne. The moment they came saying they came to worship the king, the king of the Jews, Herod got jealous didn't want to give up his throne, so he ordered the murder of, of all the innocent, uh, of all the innocent uh, baby boys from two years old and under, the Bible tells us. Herod also gave the order to have several of his own sons and wives murdered out of the same reason, out of jealousy and fear that they were going to take over his throne. These magi had come stood face to face with this absolute madman in their search to find Christ so that they could do what? Worship him. Amen? Worship him. So that brings us to a question. Does worshiping Christ have that much worth? Does it have that much value to you and I? Do we cross every obstacle in our way just to get to church every Sunday morning? Or do we look for the smallest excuse not to come? Amen? What is the worth of Christ to us? And then when we do get here, do we come and do we worship him with all of our heart? Or is it just half hearted worship with one eye on our watch or on our clock. Jeremiah 29.13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The word worship comes from two root words, worth and ship, with the root being worth. What is Jesus truly worth to us? One of the greatest enemies of the church today is comfort, unfortunately. Amen? One of those blessings and curses all at the same time. Today, we don't want to leave our comfort zone or the comfort of our own home. Amen? So these 
wise magi. The Bible tells us the reason why they saw after Christ was to worship him. Second thing I want us to see this morning is I want, to, want us to consider how they sought after Christ. Going back to verse 2. They said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he? Well, that is a great question, is it? I want you to think about that today. Do we know how to tell people where to find Christ? Let's see what made these men wise in how they sought after Christ. Amen? Let's see what made the Magi wise in how they sought after him. First and foremost, they listened to God's Holy Spirit. Amen? They listened to God's Holy Spirit. We have to understand that it was the Holy Spirit that put it into their heart to seek after Christ in the first place. How do we know that? Because the Bible makes it clear what our, truly heart, our, our heart truly is. Amen? Romans 3.11 There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Amen? That is the true condition of our heart. So when we seek after God, we need to understand that is God putting that in our heart to seek after Him. Amen? We will not seek after God on our own. The only reason that we seek after Christ is because God's Holy Spirit has sought us out first. And we need to praise God for that. You're here today for a reason, not by chance. God put it in your heart this morning to get up and to seek after Christ in this church during this service. Amen? Not coincidence. God put it in your heart to seek after Christ. The question is why? Well, Second Peter gives us that answer. says that God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all, how many? All should come to repentance. That is God's heart desire for all of us, amen? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. That is why God seeks us out. Amen? Jesus is seeking us out today. It's not accidental. It's not incidental. It's not coincidental that you're here today. Or maybe listening on our, on our website or podcast. Jesus is seeking you out. He's tugging at your heart to come unto him. You can ignore it if you choose. Amen? God will never force himself on anybody. Ever. Amen? God will never force his will on our will. But we do need to understand it is his desire for us to come to him. 
Come and find peace. Come and find forgiveness. Come and find a new hope in Christ. It's God's Holy Spirit that is drawing us, just as he did those wise magi to worship Christ. Amen? Secondly, what else made them wise in how they sought after Christ? They also trusted in the Word of God. They not, just, not only trusted in the Holy Spirit and followed the Holy Spirit, but they also trusted in the Word of God. We go back to our text in verse 4. It says, And when uh, Herod had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Where was it written? In the word of God. Amen? But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Amen? The Bible foretold where Christ would be born. We need to understand that God's word from, from Genesis to Revelation is all about Christ. Amen? It's all about him. If you want to find Jesus Christ, you don't have to look very far. You'll find him in the very first pages. You'll find him in the middle, and you'll find him at the end. Amen? Jesus Christ, it's all about him. The message of the Bible and its Christ is very, very simple. But so many will miss it. The chief priests, the scribes, the Bible tells us they knew the scriptures, but they missed the Savior that was in its pages. Herod, he had the most educated scholars at his service. But he missed the Messiah in all the books that they had to reference. And the sad thing is that nothing has changed today, amen? Many know about Christ, but very few know him as Savior and Lord. Many knew about Christ intellectually, but very few know him with their heart. And here's a word of great caution. Many, many missed Christ at his first coming in Bethlehem. Despite all the prophecies, despite all the signs, despite all the words of all the prophets. And we need to understand that his second coming has just as many prophecies, actually more. The signs are all around us today. The warnings are coming from the pulpits every single Sunday. And I hope and pray that we don't make that same mistake, that same eternal mistake, and miss our precious Savior the second time. We need to be wise like the Magi. And listen and trust God's Holy Spirit and His Word. Amen? Thirdly, they also believed in the miracle of His star. Amen? 
The Bible tells us that, that, that if that indeed was the Shekinah glory of God, that it led them right to Christ. Now, we'll talk more next week, but something that bothers me this time of year is you look around and I see all these nativity scenes. And at the manger, they have pictured the three magi, the three wise men. That is not how the Bible says it went. It says when they came to the house where he was, the young child, not the baby, that's when they presented the gifts. Just a little side note, I want to throw that out there. But the Shekinah glory of God, that bright and brilliant light, led them right to Christ. And many say, well, pastor, look, if I had the Shekinah glory of God, I would follow it to Christ too. But here's truth. God knew exactly what those wise men needed then. And he knows exactly what we need today to find Christ. Amen. Plain and simple. We just simply need to set our heart upon Christ and let God send or let God do whatever is necessary to bring us to the foot of Calvary's cross. Period. If you truly want to find Christ, God will bring you to Him. It may not be by a brilliant light or some other miracle. But he will bring you to Christ, if that's your heart's desire. Amen? He may use your family. He may use your friends. He may use complete strangers. Maybe it's a trial or a hardship. Or even this message today. God will bring you to Christ, if that's your heart's desire. Amen? Now on the flip side... If you don't want anything to do with Christ, God won't force you. Amen? He will leave you to yourself. It's kind of the same thought, pre thought process behind why a thief doesn't find a police officer. Because <laughs> he's not looking for him, right? And if you're not looking for Christ, if you have no desire to find Christ, God will leave you to yourself. He won't force you. Amen? The Holy Spirit will tug upon your heart once, twice, three times. I don't know what that number is, but there is a point where God will say, that's it. And he won't have his Holy Spirit tug on your heart any longer. I couldn't tell you when that point is. But God says there is a point where he will just leave you to yourself. And just like that thief not looking for that police officer, most, sadly to say, are not looking for Christ today. These magi were wise in how and why they sought Christ. Lastly, I want to end with what they brought him. Verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, 
They presented him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now we need to understand that these gifts have quite impactful meanings. They're not, again, coincidental. They're not incidental. They are completely fundamental. Why? Because each gift has an important spiritual significance. We think of gold. Gold speaks of Christ's sovereignty as the king of kings. Gold is a gift fit for a king. The Bible says they also brought frankincense. Frankincense speaks of his deity as Emmanuel come in the flesh. God come in the flesh. And myrrh, myrrh speaks of his sacrificial death as the Savior of the world. Now next week we're going to dig a little bit deeper into each gift. But I just want us to understand that Christ was born in Bethlehem to die on Calvary. Most people embrace the cradle, but they won't proclaim the cross. They love the little babe of Bethlehem, but not the Christ of Calvary. Why? Because they don't truly know him. Amen? They don't know who he truly is. Jesus is Almighty God come down in the flesh. He willingly left the glory of heaven to take on that human flesh, to become a man, all so that he could die in our place on Calvary. That is the unconditional love of our precious Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you are just as wise as these magi and you seek after him to worship him.